Hey guys, it's Mike. Quick note before you watch or listen to today's episode. We talk about lots of controversial issues. We talk about racism and police brutality and social justice and all sorts of stuff that is relevant to the events happening in January 2021. But I want you to know that this episode was actually recorded in late November of 2020. So while the topics are super relevant, we are not directly commenting on the events that have happened over the past few weeks. So I just wanted that to be clear. So I hope this episode provides a lot of food for thought. I hope it's in lightning for you. I hope it's inspiring for you. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for our country and for our world. God bless you and enjoy the episode. If you recognize this, you know the uh, topic we're doing today is Rage Against the Machine. And uh, you'll know that they have some profanity in their language. So this is your warning. Most of my shows do not have profanity, but this show might have some profanity. It will have some profanity. Uh, so here is your chance to press pause if you have kids around or and put in your earbuds. Okay. You good? We're, we're, we're all good. You're, you're not, your children are not listening anymore. Okay. Bring that shit in. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, where we take a look at art from pop culture and uncover the true, good, and beautiful elements found therein. Let's get started. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism on Awaken Catholic. If you want to support shows like this one, you can go to awakencatholic.org slash donate and make a one-time donation or make a recurring monthly donation, become part of the Awaken Nation, and you get access to exclusive content, including talks by uh, me, yours truly, and some other of the Awaken Catholic speakers and show hosts as well. You can download the Awaken app. We have an app now. Go to theawakenapp.io, and anyone can get that. It's a free download and you have uh, really easy access to all the shows um, and all the, all the show hosts are on there and we, we, we talk in the chat and we, we ask for, for questions and that sort of thing. So you can get to know the hosts a little bit better. And if you're part of the Awakened Nation by making that monthly donation, uh, you also get exclusive content that is only for Awakened Nation members on the app. You can also download the Hallow app, which is an awesome prayer app. If you're looking for a way to jumpstart your prayer life, uh, download Hallow by going to hallow.app slash awaken and you get a free month of the pre premium app. It's a, it's a free app, but you can get a free month of the premium. And if you do that through our link that is on the screen right now, then you will also help out financially Awaken Catholic that keeps the lights on and keeps these shows running and helps them to happen. So if you like these shows, if you like what we're doing, if you like this show, um, those are all ways you can contribute. Also, you can help us out just in kind of the normal ways by sharing, liking, subscribing on YouTube. Hit that bell if you're if you're listening on on iTunes or, or podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to it. Subscribe, rate, leave us a review, leave us a comment in the comment section. All those things help us reach more people. Um, and if you know someone that loves Rage Against the Machine or just you think they would like this episode, shoot them a text and say, "Hey, I think you would like this," and that helps us out as. Well, so we are talking about Rage Against the Machine today, and I'm so excited because this is one of my favorite bands of all time, and I'm excited to have with me here uh, Kyle Hyman. Welcome, Kyle, to the show. How's it going, Mike? It's going going great. I'm I'm, I'm so pumped to talk about this with you. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like nostalgic as I've been like listening to these songs again and looking through the lyrics, and mm -hmm. I, I just started going down these wormholes of YouTube videos and. Mm -hmm blog posts and it's, it's been fun it's been fun yeah i've been i've been doing the same thing i've been doing the same thing so if you don't know anything about well kyle let, tell, tell me about tell the the wonderful people about you if they don't know who you are already yeah i'm currently doing eight podcasts it, it was kind of a thing <laughs> a daily show turned into like breaking it up into a bunch of different shows and i uh -huh. do a show with our bishop so if people do a search for kyle hyman show there's a bunch of different things that come up we do catholic games we did one with you mike mm -hmm. we did uh Name that lyric, I think, was the, the game. Yeah, I had a ton of fun with that. Or up. Oh, thank it you. It's so good. Uh, but I do a show with my kids, uh, Catholicism awesome. with my kid, and just a bunch of different things. Uh, one with a sister, one with a priest. So we're having lots of fun doing podcasts. Cool. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm super glad to to have you here. And you, it's the Kyle Hyman Show. So if they wanted to find you, they would go to... KyleHyman.com. KyleHyman.com. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so we're talking about Rage Against the Machine today. If you don't know who they are, they are kind of the original rap rock group that combined 
rock music with rap and hip hop. They have only three full studio albums, but they won two Grammys. They've won, uh, had a bunch of other singles and, and covers, but they're, they're one of the most influential bands, um, of, of the late 20th century of the, of the nineties and into the two thousands. They actually weren't around that long, only about 10 years were they together as a band. Um, the members are, and I'll, I'll put some, uh, some pictures up on the screen of who they are. So we have Zach De La Roca, who is the main, he's not really a singer. He's a, a rapper. And then Tom Morello there with the guitar that says arm the homeless, one of the, the most innovative guitarists of all time. Um, and then you have uh, Tim Comerford on bass and uh, what's his, uh, the drummer's name? Brad Wilk, right? Brad Wilk, I think yeah. is his name. Um, so just drummers great. always get, get left <laughs> off there. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, drummers. Uh, yeah. You know how many drummers it takes to screw in a light bulb? I don't know. What? <laughs> there you go. All right. So uh, they formed in 1991. Uh, they had their eponymous debut album in 1992. They released Evil Empire, which is where I first learned about them in 1996, and their third studio album, The Battle of Los Angeles, in 1999. After that, Zach left the band. Uh, the rest of the band went on to form Audio Slave with Chris Cornell. Uh, they did a little bit of a re reunited with uh, a. a they did a, like a reunion tour a bit with Rage Against the Machine. Um, the rest of the band also did Prophets of Rage with uh, Public Enemy and Cypress Hill. So the, the rest of the band has kind of stayed together and Zach has kind of done his own thing and he's come back in a few times. Uh, there was supposed to be a reunion in 2020 for a world tour, but then COVID, as <laughs> with almost everything, has ruined another good thing for us. So why, why coronavirus? Why? Um, so Kyle, how did you first get into this band? How'd you learn about them? I, it was definitely in high school. I, I don't know exactly who would have entered, if it was on the radio or somebody mm -hmm. gave me a CD or what, but uh, I mean, me and my friends, we, we loved it. We would listen to it. It was one of those like pump up stuff that you'd play mm -hmm. before games or whatever. Uh, my band, we played Bulls on Parade for our uh, Battle of the Bands my senior year. Mm -hmm. I wore a black wig for some reason. <laughs> and my job, we had two people playing guitar because we couldn't both figure out Tom Morello's stuff. So mm -hmm. my job was the Wawa. I had a cheap little $30 uh -huh. Wawa pedal. Wow, 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 wow. Uh -huh. you know? Yeah. We, I mean, they were, I mean, they were huge. Yeah, huge. First of all, I, I mean, but also I think the fact that they were singing about something that they cared about. It wasn't just like pointless lyrics, like so many things yep. at the time. And like you said, innovators, you know, like, yeah. I mean, really that the combination of rock, rap, funk, metal, it's all kind of in this weird combination that mm -hmm. works, yeah. but, and, and probably paved the way for things like Linkin Park and, and then socially like System of a Down and things like that. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Can, can you still play any other stuff? Uh, uh, I mean, all I, ha I get some ukuleles here or something. Do, do you want, do you want to try or you, you want, you want to pass? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab here. All right. Take a stab. Show us what, show us what you got. <laughs> it's, it's been a long time since, since we did, uh, bulls on parade, mm -hmm. but there's basically, there's the, uh, the intro parts like, <laughs> that's, not, that's so weird hearing it on uke <laughs> <laughs> and then it's really a power chord but it's like yeah. that yeah it's got the wall pedal yeah uh-huh uh-huh then, then there's the oh yeah that little riff over top of the uh yeah over top of the verse terror rain is yeah. drenching yeah uh-huh <laughs> Yeah. Really good, really yeah, good. I, it, it's like you said, so like innovative and clever and mm -hmm. catchy, and it's just good, good music. Yeah, I the what I was playing over the beginning was "Take the Power Back," is uh, and then and uh, the famous, the most famous one is "Killing in the Name of the." acoustic guitar it sounds so country yeah it does <laughs> yeah yeah i don't remember the yeah. whole thing but it's 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 a lot of fun i love that song and uh bomb track is a 
Yeah, so, and uh Yeah. Sleep now in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> and uh that's I, great. That's, I don't remember what song it was, but it was it was like uh I just love that riff. I forget what song it's from though. Um anyway, it's off the first one and uh what my one of my favorite songs of theirs is Know Your Enemy. Like, Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. So there's just so many cool riffs, and I I was never a guitarist that was great at like soloing, where I'd like start up here and you know end up all the way up here wailing away. But I love those little rhythmic riffs, and uh, yeah. Tom Morello was so good at those. He could do the solo stuff too and noodle away, but just those riffs were so just powerful and crunchy and cool, even without the all the effects that he even before you get to all, all his innovation with that, just the such cool riffs. I love them. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. Memorable. And I think memorable. that's always a good thing. You have a memorable riff that you could take out of the context and mm-hmm. you would recognize it. Yeah. 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 Very cool. My so my my ringtone is "Calm Like a Bomb," which is uh, from the end of one of the Matrix movies. Where it's like, "What you say? What you say? What you say? What?" That's been my ringtone for like ten years. Um, and <laughs> when my wife and I first started dating, we we'd been dating for like three weeks, and it was going well, but it wasn't like we were like super in love or anything. It was just kind of it was like, okay, this this might go somewhere. Uh, but she was going on a road trip, and I made her a mix CD, and it was a lot of like. John Mayer singer songwriter stuff, uh, but the very last song was "Calm Like a Bomb" by Rage Against the Machine, and I put it on there kind of as a joke. And later on, I was like, "Do you like the mix CD?" She's like, "Yeah, I, my favorite song was that last one you put on there." And I was like, "She likes it? Are you kidding?" And she's like, "No, I loved it." And I was like, "And like that—that that was the moment when I like started to fall in love with her a little bit." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this cool, this girl is so cool. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, so what do you, what do you love about them before we get into kind of the themes? Let's let's just talk about artistically as a band. What do you, what do you love about them? Yeah. I'm top of the, like the biggest thing for me is Tom Morello's solos. Mm -hmm. They're so interesting. Yeah. I mean, he can like do a jazz blues lead, whatever Mm -hmm. and he does every once in a while, but instead he, I've heard him describe it as he thinks of himself as more of a DJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it almost sounds like record scratching yeah. or, or things like that. Well, he does and that he on does the string. So he'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I left that out of the uh, bulls on parade. That beep, 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 <laughs> yeah. beep. I mean, it sounds like a record scratching, yeah. you know? And the other thing, I mean, he uses the kill switch a lot. Mm-hmm. So like he'll, he'll mute one, pickup mm-hmm. and have the other one at full volume so when you switch from one pickup to the other it mutes the sound yeah so it gives a stuttering effect and combine that with the effects that he's got it's just so clever and interesting he'll pull out the plug mm-hmm. and it normally if you would touch it then the ground would hum mm-hmm. you know and so he uses that hum and he octave shifts it and mm-hmm. does wah with it and it's just innovative it sounds cool it's mm-hmm. different than any anything anybody else has ever done mm-hmm. And as much as he relies on effects, he doesn't have that many effects on his pedal board. No, he doesn't. Yeah, there's there's and there's like a rig rundown. Have you ever watched that? Yeah, that, yeah, rig yeah. rundown. He's got like three pedals. <laughs> yeah, and I think I, he said one time like I haven't gotten all the use out of these pedals. Why would I get another pedal until I've drained all of the creativity oh out of these? Yeah, and yeah, you see people with a fraction of the creativity with pedal boards ten times the size. And <laughs> that's me. <laughs> yeah, but I just think they're so interesting. And I, I ended up making like a, a playlist of all of these. You, if you click on all mm-hmm. the links in my little document, it takes you right to the solo of all of these. Mm-hmm. And I kind of made it, but they're just so different from one to the next. And that's, that's definitely my favorite. Yeah. Um, but then, like I said earlier, the fact that they are talking about something important, you know, that it's uh, kind of social justice oriented, which we can get into with themes. Yeah. Uh, Zach's, vocals just like cut through the mix he's got this high pitch with yeah. kind of drives me crazy because i can't do it that high uh-huh. that microphone explodes yeah, <laughs> the modes. yeah, yeah. it's like this high pitch in a way maybe it sounds a little bit whiny but it uh-huh. just cuts through so well it does yeah and and he does it with such passion it's like a hundred percent there's such you know, an they're, intensity they're gonna be soaked in sweat after the first song you know uh-huh. yeah 
Even when he's just like, come on or on. Yeah. <laughs> come with it now. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe I should have started off the episode with that instead of. <laughs> But the, what, the, thing, the phrase that you did start it with, he does say that a lot. Uh-huh. Like, just as a, like a introduction to a solo or uh-huh. whatever, like, bring that in. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And the thing that I love, if you if you have the old, back in the day when they had album liner notes and you get the physical CD and you take out the, and you could read through the lyrics in the album liner, it would say all the yeah. sounds on this album are made by these musicians. There's like no synths or anything. It's just made by bass, guitar, drums, and vocals. And that's all the sounds, right. which is, right. is is crazy. There's no extra programming or anything on it. So, yeah. It's yeah, a, and the fact that it's so much music out of basically three instruments and a yeah. voice. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, we get that every once in a while with bands like Rush mm-hmm. or Red Hot Chili Peppers or mm-hmm. even like Blink One Eighty Two. You, you can get a full sound out of three musicians, but I, I always find that impressive yeah. when. It doesn't feel like when the guitarist switched to the solo, it doesn't feel like something disappeared in the background or something. Mm-hmm. Like it just blends seamlessly. Yeah, and the joke about every worship band is they have like six guitars on stage, yeah. <laughs> two keyboards. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Are, are all those plugged in? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get into. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put the guitar down. I think I'm. I think I'm done. I think I've. I've indulged myself enough. <laughs> it was impressive. I, I, uh, thank you. A surprise. <clears throat> yeah. All right. And I do want to hear the acoustic version of "Killing in the Name of" now. The, the country version. <laughs> I would have to. I would have to practice a bit. <laughs> it's. Uh, I can play little bits, but you know, I have to like practice up to to do the whole thing. So. All right, put that microphone out of the way. Let's uh, that microphone explodes. It's done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's let's talk about some of the the spirit, uh, the spirituality, and the themes of what we're talking about. Um, t- tell me a song you want to talk about, and we'll 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 go through it. Uh, what, what do you have first there? Do you see. have some lyrics for? I us? do have some lyrics for us. Let me see where we're at. So, um, first one I have was "Killing in the Name." This is probably their most famous song, um, and probably their most lyrically simple song, <laughs> also. Right. Right. Yeah. Some some of the songs are very lyrically complex, uh, like "Bulls on Parade." Yeah. Is, maybe it's kind of normal. Uh, "People of the Sun's got a lot of lyrics. This one, I was looking at it. It's basically four lines repeated over and over again. So yeah. you've got "Killing in the Name of," which yeah. repeats. I'll, I'll read them. Then, I have them here. Some okay. of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Um, and now you do what they told you. <laughs> Right, and then there's in the choruses those who died are justified for wearing the badge, and they're clothed in white. You justify those that died by wearing the badge; they're the chosen whites. Um, so let, let's talk about what we got here. What are the, what are the themes? So I was doing some research. Apparently, bulls is another nickname for the police, mm-hmm. and so bulls on parade mm-hmm. they're talking about them working in forces so the ar- mm-hmm. like armed forces or police are also the same that burn crosses so mm-hmm. there's kkk in the police yeah. racism in the police force which is interesting because it's so relevant yet today mm-hmm. uh, but one of the things we might talk about is this whole idea of now you condemn everybody in the the police force just because there are some bad apples yeah you know? mm-hmm. yeah that's I, I think this song some of those that work forces are the same that burn cross i remember asking my older brother like what does that mean and him explaining he's talking about police officers that are in the kkk he's talking about corrupt police and i that was like the first time i'd ever thought about that that maybe there was there was racism in the police or that police right. could be corrupt or um or, or that racism was even still a thing. I grew up in a, in a super diverse area. Like if you look at the, the area of Maryland that I grew up in, it's like always in the top five of like most diverse cities in the world. So I, I grew up in, and, and it's not just ethnically diverse, it's very socio, socioeconomically diverse. So I, I grew up with my neighbor two doors down was a lawyer and they, they were, they were a black family and they moved out and bought a house that was bigger than anyone that we could ever build. So, or we, we could ever buy in our family. Um, and there was a police chief who also lived in our block who was also black and his, his family was, was black. And so I, I grew up kind of in the, 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 the post-racial dream in a, in a lot of ways, not that I'm sure there wasn't stuff going on still and not that, you know, those, those families didn't have stuff to, to deal with. Cause I'm sure they did. And I was just kind of blind to it. But, um, 
I grew up in this world, which was, which was kind of the idea of, okay, racism was a thing of the past and we dealt with it back then. And that's what Martin Luther King was about. And now we live in this happy world where racism isn't a thing anymore. And that's kind of what I grew up with. And I remember getting into these, these guys in middle school and high school and realizing like, oh, well, maybe maybe there is still racism. Maybe there is still some of this problem. And this was kind of my introduction to some of those problems being still with us. And it was, it's not just a thing of the past. Um, right. So that was, that was really an, an awakening for me in a lot of ways. Um, well, now you're an awakened Catholic. <laughs> an awakened Catholic. <laughs> um, you justify those that died by wearing the badge and, and you're clothed in white. So you got the white robes and that, yeah. that, that anthem at the end where he just yells over and over again, F you, I won't do what you tell me. F you. Like, I don't, right. I don't know if there's anyone who listened to this that wasn't like screaming this in their room <laughs> at some point, you know, when their, their mom was like, go to your room. You're like, oh, you know, I'm being oppressed mom. <laughs> I'm going to go listen right. to Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> this is not the oppression that he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, not. But yeah, it switches. So they say, and now you do what they told you. Mm -hmm. And that, that repeats 12 times. And then at the end, it, it flips it. It says, I won't do what you tell mm -hmm. me. And that, that's 16 times I counted. Yeah. All right. But yeah, it's, it's like this uh, kind of just going with the flow. I do what you tell me, uh, you know, sheep following whatever the government tells us to do or mm -hmm. whatever. Blind obedience, kind of brainwashing. And what's funny is I almost feel like the way it's so repetitive that there's like a brainwashing sense to it. Mm. Like it, it's like this like kind of mantra that's repeated over and over this, this song, there's so few lyrics, just yeah. the repetition of it. It's like, it starts with, and they do what they tell you. Mm. And they repeat it like, yeah, you're but then at the end repeating even more times, mm -hmm. No, I'm, I'm not, not going to do what you tell me. me. F yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've never seen them in concert. Um, yeah. But because kind of by the time I was concert going age, they were they were done. But I've seen videos of this song in concert and it's just like mosh pit with 30,000 people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I can imagine that being like super intense. One of my cousins went to one of their shows and he was like, yeah, it was crazy <laughs> when they played this song. <laughs> well, it becomes so dangerous for anybody working at the concert, like any security at the concert. <laughs> like, yeah, well, you know, and there's you're just stirring up all these people mm -hmm. like don't do what they tell you like don't listen to authority and they've had and they've had concerts canceled because the police are like you're talking about us and your songs we're not going to do security for your concert and then the concerts yeah. had to be canceled so they've they've definitely run into some trouble there um <laughs> uh, is there anything else about uh killing in the name of you wanted to talk about uh i think i'm good there it's funny that one i feel like is the most clear cut mm -hmm. so much of the rest of their songs there's all these like really specific details of mm -hmm. historical events and yeah. things that I read through. I'm like, I don't even know what this stuff means. But then yeah. the more you look into it, you realize this is a really deep philosophical like discussion happening here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, well read, I assume yeah. uh -huh. like, to know all of these historical events. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about bulls on parade. Cause you were, you were talking about that, that a, a bull could be a policeman. Um, yeah. this was another song that I had to ask my older brother, Dave about like, what, what does that mean? Th this was the first rage song I ever heard. And I loved it. And I like, memorized all the verses and I could like rap it. And that, that was like a party trick for my older brothers. They would like pull me, I was like a 12 year old and they'd pull me out and be like, Hey, my little brother can rap bulls on parade. Would you do it? And, uh, and they say, all right, now do it in British accent. And I do it in British accent. That was, that was like That's a party hilarious. trick for me. Um, <laughs> but I remember asking like, what is this about? And my brother saying like, um, the way he explained it, and I, I don't know what, what is, it actually is, but uh, right. he said uh, it's like a bull elephant. Okay, it's like a reference to the GOP, like the Republican Party. And, right. um, and if you look at, you know, they said they rally around the family with a pocket full of shells. So it's like the Republican Party is all about family values, right. but yet they're also all about guns rights. And how can you rally around the family with a pocket full of shells? And I, gr I grew up in a very, very conservative household. I'm still fairly conservative in my, in my political views, but this song was the first time I had ever really thought to question any of those conservative Republican political views that I had, I had, I had grown up with that like, oh, huh, maybe I should think about that. Is there a contradiction there? And, and like I said, I'm, I'm still fairly conservative in my, in my political views, but um, th this song was, was kind of the first thing that made me think, huh, maybe, maybe there's, there's something from the other side to listen to. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the line, weapons, not food, not homes, not shoes, mm. just feed the war cannibal animal. Like this whole thing, I think 
Republicans maybe rightfully get accused of funding war, funding weapons, all of this, but not taking care of the poor. And this is something I think that uh, my bishop called it. I don't think he came up with the term, but that Catholics are politically homeless. Mm, like yeah. that we don't really have a home in either party system, yeah. but that Catholicism would take the best of both parties and, and throw out some of the worst of each party. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that definitely weapons, not food, not homes, not shoes, just feed the war cannibal animal, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, funding war, funding terrorism, uh, especially kind of in the nineties, there's, I, I'm no history buff, but there, there was a lot of that stuff that I think we saw later in history, in the 2000s, like some of that paying off or like when we funded all of these things and then that turned into terrorism or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they don't burn the books. They just they don't got to burn the books. They just remove them. So let's talk about like censorship of books. Right. Um, while arms warehouses fill as quick as the cells rally around the family pocket full of shells. So it's like your, your arms warehouses are filling up and also the, the, the cells and the prisons are filling up. And yet you say you rally around the family. Um, so yeah, again, the, these criticisms, by the way, if you're, if you're a Republican conservative person and you're feeling triggered right now, don't, don't worry. We're going to, we're going to bring it back around. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to talk about Marxism and socialism and some of the problematic things here too. So don't, 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 uh, don't quit on us yet. Cause we'll, we'll, we're going to critique the other side as well. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, as a, as a young man, this definitely made me think of, uh, you know, where, what is what is the right? Where should we be voting? Where should we be putting our priorities as a, as a nation? So, yeah, mm-hmm. I know your enemy. I think you said was, <sighs> you say that was one of your favorites. Yeah, it is one of my favorites. I don't know if I have the lyrics, but that is one of my favorites. Go, let's go ahead and talk about it. Okay, I've, I've got some lyrics here. It's come on, yes, I know my enemies. They're the teachers who taught me to fight me, compromise, conformity, assimilation, submission ignorance hypocrisy brutality the elite all of which are american dreams and i was just thinking of i I get in discussions about education with people and and how that idea of taking creativity out of people and i i kind of think that maybe some of that is um a, a historical thing of training people to work in the factories yeah like you need them to not think creatively just be able to do a job obey sit in your seat, do your job, go home, get paid, Mm -hmm. you know? And now we've got robots that can do that. Yeah. So we need people to be creative. We need people to, to push back. And you say, you're going to do it this way. Like, wait, would this be a better way to do it? Yeah. And the whole, I, I, what is it? You you ask a kindergartner if they're an artist and everybody says yes. And then Mm -hmm. you ask a fifth grader and nobody says they're an artist anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of, stripping education stripping people of their creativity and i mean not just education but i think as a culture a lot of times we don't want people to to speak out to be thinkers and you know Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to keep everybody in their place if and maybe like especially i don't think they're always raging as machine is always talking about u.s government there's a Mm -hmm. lot of world issues that are happening and 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 to tailor to tailor totalitarian regimes yeah yeah Yeah. and so i i just think that's a pretty powerful verse there yeah uh, absolutely and and it um it's very similar to uh take the power back uh from the which is also off that that first album where he talks a lot about there's again a verse at the end where uh, the present curriculum, I put my fist in them, Eurocentric, every last one of them. See right through the red, white, and blue disguise. With lecture, I puncture the structure of lies. Um, and then at the end, he has this verse where it says, the teacher stands in front of the class, but the lesson plan he can't recall. The student's eyes don't perceive the lies, bounced off every effing wall. His composure is well kept. I guess he fears playing the fool. The complacent students sit and listen to some of that bullshit that he learned in school. Europe ain't my rope to swing on. We can't learn a thing from it, yet we hang from it. Um, so there, there's this idea that what we've been taught in school, kind of like what you said, is is not, is, is been very clo- very carefully chosen to produce a certain kind of 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 citizen. Something I was very aware of in my 14 years of teaching Catholic high school um, that I learned in my education classes is not to shut down creativity and not to penalize 
risk taking the in in like academic risk taking and if if a student goes in a creative way on something even if it wasn't quite what you asked for be very careful with how you deal with that situation because you don't want the student to walk away with the with the lesson that um, creativity is discouraged and you just got to jump through the hoop. You just got to complete this task and that's what we want you to do. Get out of that factory mindset. And so I was always trying to, to figure out ways to, to, to teach in a, in a more constructive way that allowed for creativity and allowed for risk. Um, yeah. I want to talk about Eurocentrism and because we belong to a church, we're Roman Catholic, that is, you know, started in Jerusalem but very quickly within the first few centuries became centered in Rome and in many places across the world is associated with colonialism, um, even racism and uh, oppression. And whether that's, whether that's, that's, that's a fair uh, or, or not, uh, that's often the association. And I want to ask as, as Catholics, do we need to like, are we overly Eurocentric? Are, like, is that, is, is that bad? Is Europe, like he says, we can't learn a thing from it, yet we hang from it. Um, what, 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 do you, what do you make of that? I mean, I think it's hard for me to say. It's like me asking, do I have an accent? Well, <laughs> when I'm speaking Spanish or something like that, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I can't tell because mm-hmm. I'm not a native. And so I think a lot of times, even sometimes I'll see like somebody commenting on something the Pope said mm-hmm. or whatever. And like okay, your your criticism is assuming that he's speaking to you, but mm. there's a huge church here, and there's all kinds yeah. of different situations, and I think a lot of times we kind of put everything in our little bubble and forget that this is a universal church yeah. and that different cultures practice in different ways. Not not that you can you know change the truths of the Catholic Church, but mm-hmm. there is room for flexibility in in how we worship or, mm-hmm. or different things like that. Uh, having drums at mass, you know, mm-hmm. the, or dancing or something like that. In some mm-hmm. of these different cultures, it's it's looked at differently. And mm-hmm. So, I think sometimes we have to be willing to look outside of that, but also to to get advice. And this is why I think so many people want to see more diversity in whatever staffs or mm-hmm. you know planning teams or hierarchy or whatever. That there's a diverse church and me as a white male doesn't always think of how a Latino girl is going to interpret something mm-hmm. or whatever. And so, yeah, I think for me to say, is the church too Eurocentric? I, I would think so just by mm-hmm. default, just by being in Rome, you kind of think of that. Mm-hmm. Now, I think hopefully that they have people in place that help give a more worldly and now the Pope can travel so much yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and go to these different sites and see what's happening in Brazil or the Philippines or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's something we have to constantly be thinking about and open to and, and trying to hear other voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a danger <clears throat> on either side of that is I think we can be like, no, you know, this is the, this is the faith passed down and so we're the Roman Catholic Church, and so it has to be done this way. And but I, I think that was rejected by that 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 kind of cultural imposition. Like the, the church didn't come ready made with a culture to Im, Im, impose on the world. Otherwise, we'd all be Jewish, right? Because the first Christians were Jewish, right? We wouldn't right. be Roman. So the the very fact that the church has become so Roman and so European is proof positive that the church is meant to enculturate. The church is meant to engage the culture and speak to the people in, in their, in their culture. Now that, that doesn't mean we can't um, have Gregorian chant. That doesn't mean we can't have Latin. There's a great history of that in the, in the, in the church. And we should, we should, you know, learn a lot from that and reserve a certain uh, place for that. But it also means that the church is not locked into its certain expressions of the way it it worshiped a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago. It means that the church can be spoken in different languages. Languages. Uh, the church can be um, expressed through different types of uh, of song. It can be ex- expressed in different, um, 
you know, with within reason, certain. I don't want to get into too specifics of liturgy because we'll get into trouble. Um, and by, by the way, I know I we're talking. Play a Rage Against the Machine song at, at mass. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't play a Rage Against the Machine song at mass. And by the way, for those for those watching and listening, I know we're talking about a lot of uh, controversial things. We're talking about like racism and Eurocentrism and 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 the church and and, and liturgy and all that sort of stuff. And just know that we're just we're just we're just two guys talking out loud like um you're welcome to to disagree with us like you can let us know in the comments and all those sorts of things like we're 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 trying to learn from talking to each other and uh we hope that that you benefit from that conversation too but i, I guarantee that we're going to say something or not say something that is um going to be different than you and that's okay that's part of what we do here at pop culture catechism is we're not afraid to have those conversations and uh you know we're, we're still going to be friends at the end of it so um I, I, so I said on the one side, there's a danger of being like too Eurocentric, but on the other side, there's a danger in going too far and throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I would absolutely disagree with Zach here when he says, um, we can't learn a thing from it. Cause I absolutely think Europe has some amazing things to contribute. Like the whole language of human rights comes from Europe and John Locke and Rousseau and some of these great political philosophers. And so there, I love the classics. One of my favorite podcasts is called Classical Stuff You Should Know. Like I'm a study, I'm a student of Plato and Aristotle. So I, I love that, the kind of Western Civ stuff, but yet I wouldn't, Western civilization, but I wouldn't say that that's the only thing we should focus on. Like I want to learn about Confucius. I want to learn, um, you know, about, uh, you know, uh, Muslim philosophers i want to learn uh from philosophy and theology from from different parts of the world and that we have a lot to learn from that so i i think it's a matter of prudence it's a matter of temperance and like what you said like representation matters i think it can be overemphasized um but i think representation absolutely matters and we've seen the last few popes um have recognized hey our church is more in central and south america it is more in africa it is more in southeast asia let's have more bishops, more cardinals from those parts of the world. Let's have World Youth Day um, in those parts of the world, um, and I think that's 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 good for the church. So yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And that whole throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I feel like, is my main critique with Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. Is they just want to rage against everything? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and critique everything. I, critique is good, mm-hmm. but to say like I'm not going to listen to anybody. Mm-hmm. In a, in a position of authority, well, there are there are good people in positions of authority. You know, there's yeah. good politicians, there's good police, there are good church leaders, mm-hmm. and just because there's bad ones doesn't mean I, I'm going to dismiss all of it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and I think that's that's where revolution often goes astray. Uh, revolution throws out the baby with the bathwater. What the church tries to do is reform. Right. We try to reform. That's why we have church councils where we get together and we talk stuff out. And sometimes it gets heated. You know, sometimes St. Nicholas punches Arius in the face, like happened at the Council of Nicaea, (laughs) supposedly. Um, But we try really hard not to throw out the baby with the bathwater and and kind of the the Catholic critique of of the, the Protestant movement would be that that's that's what happened is yes there were some necessary things that need to happen and if you look at the 95 theses that Martin Luther wrote like he brings up some good points if you read through them and uh, the church actually did did like address some of the things he talks about, but he also threw out the, yeah, he threw out, he threw out the baby with the bathwater. So that's the difference between a reform and a reformation or a reform and a revolution is a lot of times the rev, the revolution overshoots. And if you think even about like the sexual revolution of the sixties and the breakdown of the family and divorce and abortion and contraception, and so, so many things that, um, you know, sexual assault and pornography, so many awful things that were, were amplified by that. But, um, there are lots of good things that came about from the sexual revolution. Like now we can talk about sex and we can, we can expose sexual abuse in a ways that, that the culture really didn't talk about before. Um, and it's, it's much more comfortable for even married couples to discuss their sex lives. And that's, that's a, a beautiful thing. And, um, so we're, we're not as ashamed. It's not this repressive thing like it was in a lot of ways. So there are good things that come out of that, but then there's also the throwing out of the baby with the bathwater. And so I think that's what John Paul II was trying to do with his theology, the body saying, let's not have a revolution of sexuality. Let's have a reform and a renaissance of, of, of sexuality and see what is the true, the, the true thing that God has given us. That's a beautiful thing. And how do we understand? in that way, not just like throw out everything that came before because you end up throwing out a lot of the good with the bad. So, Slow clap. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, let's talk about um, – was there a, another song? I'm looking through my songs that I wanted to talk about. Uh, 
there's uh is it sleep now in the fire it this is we have to start someplace we have to start somewhere what better place than here what better, better time, time than, than now? now yeah mm-hmm. is it, is it, i think that is sleep now I, in the fire i don't have the lyrics up here but uh yeah I, that's that's one i just feel like i so many things we put off or we think this isn't my problem mm-hmm. or we make whatever excuses not to, to act on something, but like what better place in here? What better time than now? Like, yeah. Carpe diem. Let's us do it. Like, yeah, don't wait for somebody else to do it. And it all depends on what you're <laughs> advocating for. But if your intentions are good and you know, what you're doing is good, then let's do it. Let's yeah. Like that kind of motivational. Why wait? Let's do yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. But there I was, I did find something. <clears throat> I don't know if you ever caught this. There was a, I was looking through lyrics and, and I didn't notice it. He says, uh, in sleep now in the fire, he says, the world is my expense. The cost of my desire. Jesus blessed me with its future and I protect it with fire. So hmm. raise your fist and march around. I a reference to Jesus. The reference to Jesus. Interesting. Oh, like, Jesus kind of, blessed me. Yeah. Interesting. And now I, it, what does he do with fire? What does it say? Uh, does he guard it with fire? Um, Jesus blessed me. Jesus blessed me with its future and I protect it with fire. Mm, interesting. <laughs> A little liberation yeah. theology in there. <clears throat> <laughs> right. So uh, if you're, if you're not familiar with what liberation theology is, it, it kind of, um, is very controversial in this is the sixties and seventies and the, and John Paul II, our Pope two popes ago ended up kind of coming out uh, against liberation theology because it, it kind of took the gospel and, um, saying, yes, we should be freed from sin. And yes, we should apply that to the world. We should also fight against injustice, which is actually absolutely true, but it kind of took it a step too far to, um, become like, almost like we're, we're the saviors and we can use like any, any means possible. It's kind of like almost mashing up the gospel with, um, like communism and Marxism a, a, a little bit. Um, so anyway, but that, that very much is Zach De La Roca, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, people of the sun is really interesting. This was one of my favorite songs when, when I first heard it and, uh, the riff that he used, this is the one with the ones where he's scratching on the strings and, uh, this is, yeah. it almost sounds like an alarm at the beginning. Uh-huh. I was thinking about it. It's a little dissonant. And it's Absolutely. repetitive, short, mm-hmm. like a little bit between like that alarm that wakes you up in the morning, that annoying one, mm-hmm. and like a like a siren, like a raid mm-hmm. siren. Or yeah, something like an that. air raid. Like yeah, like a mashup between those two. Yeah, and this is one that you were talking about that has a lot of the history. So it says. Right. Um, since 1516 mines attacked and overseen now crawl amidst the ruins of this empty dream with their borders and boots on top of us pulling knobs on the floor of their toxic metropolis. So it's, it's about kind of uh, Spanish colonialism of he, he's, he's Mex- of Mexican descent. So he's talking about like the, the Spanish colonialism and, and oppression of, of the, the natives in Mexico. Um, so the people of the sun refers to like the native Mexicans uh, Mayans and Aztecs and so forth. It's coming back around again. Yeah, this I, is for the people. I had to look up a lot of these references. Mm-hmm. Man. The whip snapped, cracked your back for the tobacco. I'm the Marlboro man. So it's just talking, talking about those images of slavery. Um, yeah, lots of, you could, you could definitely do a, a history class on this one. Um, and that's, that's something I, you know, as much as I, I disagree with a lot of their politics, I admire their spirit. Um, and I right. admire that, um, that sense of social justice, like social justice in this day and age. And in, in some ways, you know, people talk about being a social justice war and it's become something very much synonymous with, with being part of the left and being right. leftist and progressive. But the term social justice actually comes from Catholic theology and, um, you know, so Catholics, when we look at social justice, um, yes, it's about racism and fundamental human dignity and rights, but it's, it's almost what, what a lot of the culture considers social justice. And we, we would say that's, that's kind of, that's kind of, that's lost something of what authentic social justice is. Um, it's, it's lost sight of, uh, of some of what authentic social justice is. And one of the ways that, that I see this is, um, Rage Against the Machine is a super pro-choice band. And they, right. I think they founded the organization called Rock for Choice. There was Rock for Life, which was a bunch of pro-life bands. And then they founded Rock for Choice. And I remember when I found this out in like 
late nineties, early two thousands when I was, when I was in high school, I remember, um, finding this out and my heart just broke being like, oh, this band that I love, not only are they pro-choice, but they're like fundraising <laughs> for <laughs> pro-choice causes. And like my money that I used to buy this, you know, $20 CD, cause that's how much they used to cost at, at borders or Best Buy, um, like went to that. And I remember like having this crisis, crisis of conscience, like, should I listen to this band? Should I be giving this band my money? Um, and it's from a, from a Catholic perspective, it's like, how could you say you stand up for the rights of the immigrant? How could you say you stand up for the rights of the, the oppressed and the marginalized by, by racism and, and all these different forces, but yet the weak and defenseless in the womb is just a choice is just a blob of tissue right. is just, is you're not going to defend them. You're not going to speak up for the, you know, they have, they have a song called voice of the voiceless or voice for the voiceless. And it's like, the unborn are literally the voiceless. So it, there's definitely, I feel like there's a lack of authentic social justice here. Yeah. But I think it's, it's a common thing that, that again, you talk about the left, but <clears throat> people that are social justice oriented, a lot of times there is that kind of duplicity and, and confusion with life and being pro-life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's interesting, both Zach and Tom, um, well, first of all, they're, they're minorities. Tom is, uh, black, or at least I think he's, he's half black. Um, but, and then Zach is of Mexican descent and both of them come from divorced families. Um, and so, uh, and both of them talk about them experiencing racism growing up and then, um, having kind of quote unquote broken families or having a, a dysfunctional family dynamics in some way. Um, and I, I can't help but think that maybe somehow those experiences for better or for worse has informed their, their outlook towards the world or their, their, um, you know, their, their politics and their, their approach to fixing the world's, uh, problems. Cause I think, uh, for, for Christians, we say, we would say that the, the first place it starts, yes, we're involved in politics, but the first place it starts is with the family. It starts with the relationship of those closest to you. Um, and so I could, I could see how if, your family situation wasn't the best. A lot of times, maybe, maybe you would turn to something a little more revolutionary. Um, right. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put people in boxes or psychoanalyze cause I don't have that expertise, but I'm just, I'm just shooting from the hip here. Um, but it'd yeah. be great to see them, you know, talk about the importance of a, of a loving family, you know, and, and that, yeah. that could be the breakdown of some of these structures or some mm -hmm. of these leaders, like what was their family life like that turned them into these monsters or, yeah. you know, uh, it, it is such a big piece. I think, you know, you mentioned Pope John Paul II, he talked about that, you know, as the family goes, so does the country and the world, you know, that, mm -hmm. that it starts in the home and, and that's actually where we can do the most good as well. It's that subsidiarity. You talk about mm -hmm. social justice or Catholic teaching and, you know, like we start in our home yeah. and then we mm -hmm. go to our neighbors and then our town and, and, and out. And that's, that's how change is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's this, you, you mentioned subsidiarity. That's basically the idea that a lot of times local solutions are going to be, are going to be better starting with the family. And, you know, your mayor is going to be able to address what's happening on your street better than the president is because they right. know your local situation. Um, and so that a lot of times is, is part of the downfall of quote unquote left is they look to kind of these big government solutions, but it's, it's gotta be on the individual relational level as mm -hmm. well. Um, and so there's, um, an encyclical by John Paul II called Santissimus Anus about uh, Catholic social teaching. And he has really excellent criticisms of both socialism and capitalism in there. And he talks, and uh, I would love to get Zach De La Roca and Tom Morella in a room and like do a study of Santissimus Anus with them and like see what they think. Cause there's all, there's places in there where he talks about capitalism. He says, uh, you know, JP2 goes through talking about socialism and communism. And he fought against communism in Poland. And a lot of people point to him as like one of the people that helped bring communism down in Eastern Europe. Up. Um, so he goes this whole thing about like socialism and communism and why, why that's like should be rejected. But then he says, all right, so then can we say that capitalism is the way to go? And he's like, well, depends on what you mean by capitalism. Cause if you mean that we're going to place profit above people's well being, then no, that can't be what it means. If it means you're respecting people's, you know, freedom, but it's gotta, it, we have to make sure that our system um, is is respectful of personal freedom above economic freedom that people don't just become tools in the machine and I think that's a place where Rage Against the Machine would would agree that we we need 
you know, that, that is a part of the system that we have to, we have to fight. So I would, I would love to get John Paul II in the room with Zach De La Roca and see if they could, <laughs> he could, he could, he could teach Zach some things. So. Yeah. And that kind of makes me wonder what their childhood was like, you know, mm -hmm. as being minorities and were they, you know, constantly picked on and, you know, dealt with racism their whole life. And they're just mm -hmm. upset that the system not only allowed it, but sometimes caused it. Yeah. You know, of course you're going to be upset and you're going to revolt against it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think we lost your, oh, there you go. You're back. We lost your video feed for a second. Um, and I'm always keenly aware when I talk about issues of, of race and social justice that like I'm a white guy talking about this. So there's a certain amount of personal experience I don't bring to this. And I, I taught in a school that was, uh, you know, majority minority for, uh, for a long time. And so whenever we would talk about racism, I was always telling my students, you know, I recognize that, you know, I, I have a certain amount of knowledge on you guys because I'm older and more educated and, and that sort of thing and just have more experience of the world. But there's a certain amount of knowledge that you have on me from having, having lived as a young person of color that I don't, I don't have. And you have a lot to teach me here as well. So, um, I always try to recognize that whenever I'm talking about issues of, of race that, you know, probably Zach and Tom had experiences that I, I will never have. And, right. uh, you know, I can kind of talk about these issues in an intellectual way, but there's, there's something that I probably will never understand on a kind of a gut emotional level. Um, so yeah. Uh, what other songs can we talk about this? They're all so good. I love, I love their stuff. Um, were there any other songs you you wanted to make sure we hit before, before we, uh, we finished? Oh, I was wrong. It's Gorilla Radio that says it has to start somewhere. Oh, yeah. It has to start sometime. Um, at the end of it, he says, all, all hell can't stop us now. Mm. And he repeats that six times. All I, hell can't stop us now. That sounds like uh, something from First Peter or something yeah. like that, isn't it? Like, <clears throat> mm -hmm. The but, gates of hell will not prevail against us. Yeah, or? Matthew 16. Yeah. He says it there, okay. too. Yeah. I was way off. <laughs> You might say something like that in first Peter, but I, I know Matthew 16 is, uh, where he says, Peter, you are my rock and, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. The gates of hell. Well, and something I love about that passage is where he says to Peter, you are my rock on which I will find my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I always thought of that passage as hell is attacking the church and the church isn't going to lose. Like the church is going to stand up, but it says the gates of hell will not prevail. Gates don't attack. Gates are not an offensive weapon. They're a defensive right. weapon. So Jesus is not saying hell is going to attack you and you're going to be able to repel them. He's saying, no, we are storming the gates of hell. We are on a mission. <laughs> and when wow, it says, I like that. yeah, hell will not prevail against the church. It's meaning like we're on the offensive. We're taking hell down and hell is not going to be able to withstand the fury of God's love. Like, and, uh, the, the priest who was preaching on it that pointed it out to me, I was like, whoa, mind blown. I've heard this passage a million times in my life, but I never realized I had it backwards. Like we as the church, we are on the offense. We are trying to go out in the world and conquer hell in an active way. We're not just like hunkered up in our little fortresses praying, praying as the world goes on around us. We're supposed to be out there engaging the world and, and, and conquering evil with good. So, Right. Yeah. And I think it's the activism that like that's what Rage Against the Machine was all about. Like, go do something. Yeah. And you know, a song is just a song. A song doesn't actually change the political system unless somebody actually acts on it. Somebody mm -hmm. does something. Um, they've got a song called "Fistful of Steel," mm -hmm. and it's got this lyric: "Something about silence makes me sick because mm. silence can be violent, sort of like a slit wrist," <sighs> which is a very graphic yeah. description of it, but that whole idea of silence can be violent yeah is like yeah if there's you know violence happening and if there's injustices taking place mm -hmm. and you don't do anything then you're contributing to the violence mm -hmm. by your silence yeah and <clears throat> I mean, that's totally again catholic teaching mm -hmm. like we have to it's it's what i've done and what i failed to do since right? mission. so yeah. we, mm -hmm. we say at mass every sunday mm -hmm. uh what we when we don't act that that can be just as much of a sin as when we are acting i forget who said it but there's a famous quote that the only thing that it takes for evil to survive is for for good people to sit by and do nothing um, right yeah which can be can be daunting because sometimes you look at the evil in the world and you're like, what what am I supposed to do about it? Um, so I think that's where prayer comes in and I think that's where hope comes in, recognizing that you know 
ultimately Jesus is the victor and Jesus has already conquered this. Yes, we have a mission to continue his, and we are his hands and feet here on earth to continue that mission. But I think you, so you can, you can be too lackadaisical in, in, in trusting God in an unhealthy way. Um, where he's just kind of like, all right, God's going to take care of it. But you can also take it all on yourself as if I'm the savior and it's all up to me. So I think, I think there's a healthy in between to, to, to maintain there. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I also wanted to talk about, um, we talked about subsidiarity before from Catholic social teaching, the idea that we need to affect change on the local level as, as, as much as possible. Um, but there's also something in Catholic teaching that we need to have just structures as well. Like there's, they sometimes call it the, the two feet of Catholic social teaching. There's like personal charity. And then there's also social justice, which, you know, works, works on the higher levels. Cause like, even if you're a super saintly person and I'm a super saintly person, probably still most of the clothes that we're wearing, were made in sweatshops. And right. We're, con- we're participating in this system where people are really victimized, even if in my personal day-to-day and local lives, I'm being um, super holy. It's hard to be good in a system like that. It's hard to not participate in sin in a system like that. And you talk about um, you know, systems of racism and, and, and classism and, 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 and sexism, and it becomes hard to break out of that. And JP2 talks about it as the culture of death, um, you know, like a college girl gets pregnant, is there daycare for her at her college that makes it easier for her to choose life? Uh, is there a cultural expectation that she's going to choose an abortion? Um, and I think about that with euthanasia, like if euthanasia assisted suicide becomes a thing and I'm old and I get Alzheimer's someday, are there going to be Alzheimer's homes around or will it have become the cultural expectation that if you get Alzheimer's, then you, you choose death with dignity that you somehow right. lost your dignity. And now there's, there's not going to be a place for you anymore. Um, Pope Francis talks about it as the, th- the throwaway culture that we have this consumerism where we just consume stuff and then throw it away. But we treat people like that too. That if you're inconvenient, if you're an inconvenient immigrant or a refugee or an unborn child, um, it's, it's just, or a criminal, it's easier to just throw you away. It's, and, and so those structures really need to be combated. And that's somewhere I think Zach De La Roca and John Paul II, Pope Francis and Pope Benedict would probably get along pretty well and and have a lot of things in common to say is yes, we work at that, that, that local level, but we also got to work at that structural level. And, and, that's one of the things I love about being Catholic is it gives us better lenses to see the world than this American political polarity. Cause as you said before, there really is, um, uh, as much as I, I love the right for its d- defense of the unborn and uh, I love the left for speaking out on things like racism. Um, there's, there really are blind spots on, on, on both sides. And I think I, I, I you know, I, I, I know that talking about politics is, is dangerous, but, um, I, I think if you're not examining, like I, if you're conservative or, or liberal or d- Democrat or Republican, if you're not examining your own side and trying to be Catholic first or Christian first, and then Republican conservative second, Democrat and liberal second, I think there's a, there's a, a, a problem there. Right. God so, first. God and first. I, I think also with putting country above God, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of a nationalism yeah. that God first, family second, and then, you know, that whole idea of the subsidiarity, like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, we care about our local government, maybe more so than what's happening in a foreign country, mm-hmm. but ultimately, we're all brothers and sisters. Yeah. Like, we're all part of this family. We're all humans, and not to think that just because I was born in this country that my life is more important than your life in another country, you know, and and that... Yeah, you need jobs. I need jobs. Yeah, mm-hmm. This kind of whole idea of America first, I think, can get pushed too far into from yeah. patriotism to nationalism. Yeah, mm-hmm. and kind of an us versus them. Absolutely. Whenever you're talking about foreigners or refugees or whatever, anybody, it's an us. It's not an us yeah. and a them. It's an us. Right. Yeah. It's an us and us. Yeah. yeah. Any almost any time on like Facebook or Twitter or sometime where somebody is venting about they or them, but they don't who say right. who they or them are. A lot of times they'll just comment who's them with a question mark, right. <laughs> and just to make people think like who who are you talking about? Are you just talking to a stereotype out there or have you lost sight of the person that that's a person who's probably pretty intelligent, who probably has a good heart and is trying their best? Or do you just write them off as a them, as someone on the other side um, who you, who it's easy to demonize, but hard to love. And I, I think that's a, a real challenge for us. So. And I think that's another flaw for rage against machine is throwing these 
politicians or military or police or whatever mm-hmm. into this lump sum of yep. they're all bad or they're all evil and yep. we should resist, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like anything, whether it be a political party or a person or whatever, mm-hmm. finding the good in those, you yeah. know, not just focusing on the negative, focusing on the bad. Like, yes, we want to fix the negative. We want to fix the bad, mm-hmm. but also realizing that people are created good. Amen. Like they got intended them to exist in this world or they wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And so they're in the good that, that should be happening. If it's not happening, then we need to, to, to help with that. But to realize people aren't evil, they do evil things. And yeah, I, one of their albums is evil empire. Evil you know? empire yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And I, I, I love this conversation, Kyle. And thank you so much for, for having this. Um, I think it's rare in, in our day and age, it's so easy to demonize. And whereas it's, you know, I call the show pop culture catechism. What is a catechism? A catechism is a tool for teaching the faith. And um, most of the time a catechism is just kind of a book and sometimes it's question and answer. Um, but one of the ancient ways of learning, and you get this from Plato to Augustine to Thomas Aquinas, is what they call the dialectic and the dialogue of two people talking stuff out and kind of figuring out their thoughts and thinking about different sides of stuff and not coming with a preconceived notion of this is my argument, but kind of figuring out as they go and using their reason and using what they learned from their faith. And that's that's kind of so I'm saying this because I know there are probably people listening to this show, probably just about everyone who's listening to this show. We've said something you probably don't like. And I just want to help you recognize that like, that's part of faith. Like that is part of a well-informed faith. John Paul II talks about faith and reason, like talking it out, having uncomfortable conversations that might piss you off a little bit like that. That's part of it. And learning to love somebody and talk through it and being willing to change and examine yourself. Like that is part of a mature faith. Um, so thank you, Cal, for being willing to have this kind of risky conversation on the internet in public with me where we talk about these things. Um, and thank you listeners for, for watching it as well. Um, Kyle, sometimes I ask my guests if they would be willing to close us in prayer, kind of reflecting on some of the themes. Would you be willing to do that? Or would you rather I do that? No, I'm, I'm game. Absolutely. Sure. Would you please close us in prayer? All right. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Uh, Dear God, we thank you for all of your creation, all that you've given us, the ability to to live these lives and to live them for you. Help us to respond to your call, whatever they might be, that uh, we wouldn't ignore injustices, that we wouldn't ignore people that that need our help, that you you may have created us specifically to help those people, and, and you created us to make change in this world. Pray that we would be moved out of love of neighbor, out of love of even enemy mm. to, to share your love with them, to, to be your light in this world and to do what we've been created to do, to, to be who you've created us to be and to, to live lives that may take risks, um, that are generous and that ultimately do good in the world and and help others. Uh, we pray for the members of Rage Against the Machine that their hearts would be moved and especially with the, the idea of being pro-life and respecting unborn children's lives and rights. And we just pray that you would move in their hearts and help them to, to see your truth and to keep producing art that that brings cl- people closer to you or start producing art that does that. <laughs> and for all of us that are artists and creating things, help us to, to be guided by your love and your mission as well. Amen. Amen. And the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Kyle, for closing us in prayer and for being here with me and for having this conversation. Um, I, I wanted to talk about Rage Against the Machine, and I was, just wasn't sure who I was going to talk about it with. And when when we did your show and you were and you said, I'd love to do Rage, I was like, yes, let's yeah. do it. So uh, thank you for being here. Uh, tell the people once again where they can find you. Well, yeah, I think I did more research for your show than for any show that I've ever done <laughs> for myself. Awesome. Uh, but my website is kylehyman.com. It's Kyle Hyman on the social media. And there's the Kyle Hyman show has got like seven different iterations. I also do a show with our bishop called Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. Awesome. Um, but if you just check out my website, you'll find all kinds of stuff there. Subscribe cool. in whatever podcast app. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes as well. I'm Mike Tenney. You can find me at MikeTenneyMusic.com at PKMikeyT on social media. And you can find all things Awaken Catholic by going to AwakenCatholic.org. You can download our free app by going to theawakenapp.io. And uh, then there's premium content if you are join the Awaken Nation by doing a monthly donation to Awaken Catholic and keeping the lights on and the cameras running and uh, paying some of the, the people here that are, that are running this, putting food on the table for their family. That would be an awesome thing. And you get premium content talks from people like me and some of the other show hosts and presenters as well. You can also download the Hallow app, which is a great way to jumpstart your prayer life. And uh, you can get a free month of premium by going to hallow.app slash awaken. And if you do that free month trial of the premium, that helps us out a little bit financially as well. So please do that. And I guarantee it, it'll be an awesome thing for your prayer life. Um, also you can help us out just by liking, sharing, subscribing, give us a rating on, on your podcast app. Uh, if you know someone who's a rage against the machine fan, or you think just might like this episode, please shoot them a text and say, Hey, I think you might like this. All that stuff helps our show. Um, and I know, again, I know we talked about a lot of controversial stuff. So if you want to hit us up in the content, uh, in the comments, that is fine. Please be charitable. Um, you know, we're, we're doing this all for the love of God and his greater glory and honor. So please, um, you know, understand us. And if we said something that you don't like, take us with a grain of salt and charity, and we will, we will try to do the best as well. Uh, thank you once again, Kyle. It was great to have you on. Thank you, Mike. This was fun. We'll see you next time. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.